Good morning. It's time for the first for the this episode of View from Military Mind for 2021. Views and opinions about world and national events from the mind of a military veteran that has served and defended this country since 1978. Insight that has been molded by the commitment and sacrifices of the Americans that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 247 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and certainly not PC. We are those people. Let's stand up and stand firm. On today's show, we have our guest back, Mr. Mark Dupuy from the Patriot Academy. He's a constitutional coach. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. Very well. Excited. Standing, outstanding. Uh, hopefully everybody can hear you back there. Um, but and on the rest of the show, we'll go over the uh, the Constitution. Con- oh, it's going to be a start to a good show. <laughs> I can't even talk already. Um, but the, the majority of our show today is going to be dedicated to Mark, and he's going to get into the rest of the constitutional course that he handles. And we'll review those starting with our Thomas Jefferson letters. Um, after Mark's completed his uh, portion of the show, we're going to get into my views and my opinions on some happenings around the military and give you my viewpoints on, from my military mind, mostly dealing with the new SECDEF, uh, retired General Lloyd Austin, and his current determination and direction to um, allow transgenders in and the mandatory order for the wear of masks at all times on military installations, uh, with very, very, very few exceptions. So we'll get into those towards the end of the show. Um, I invite everybody to comment on here. Uh, the chat room is open on both YouTube and Facebook. Uh, if you want to talk to us after the show, you can send me uh, messages on the uh, View from Military Mind Facebook page and the group page. I ask you to join up as a member. You can also go on YouTube and subscribe to that and uh, shoot your comments there. You can also email me at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. And I'll respond directly to you uh, with any of your comments, questions. If you have topics you would like to have on the show, uh, we can bring those up. Any special guests you would like to see, uh, go ahead and send those to me at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show yourself, same uh, same email address, vfamm2020 at gmail.com. And we'll talk and we'll get you on the show. a little administrative here. Uh, everybody knows we've got Mark, and of course, we've also had Mr. Bill Muckler, uh, an author. We're also looking forward to a couple other new guests coming out. Uh, we got uh, a young rising country star from here in northern Alabama that uh, will be on here before long. And uh, I have been invited to be on Vet TV. So we're going to uh, get some interviews out of Vet TV and Vet Talks. And we'll get those folks on here and I'll, I'll make sure those schedules are posted up. But keep track with us. Keep watching what we're doing. And um, we'll go from there. Uh, we're going to cut out the ads all together here today, Mark, if that's OK with you. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and get started with your segment of the show. And, uh, and you were telling me earlier that we're going to um, start in uh, where we left off last show. And that was with Thomas Jefferson uh, becoming the president on March 4th, uh, 1801. Um why don't you go ahead with that? I know we were talking about the Dan- Danbury Baptist Association of Danbury, Connecticut, who sent a personal letter to Thomas Jefferson uh, expressing their concern uh, that protection for religion had been written into the laws and constitutions. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, refresh our uh, guest memories on that. 
Absolutely. So let's do a quick recap of our evidence, right? We we were looking for evidence from the very beginning of the class as to where the separation church and state, where is that um, located? Where did it come from? Where did this phrase come from? It's very uh, um, expressed in our in our society right now. Everybody's saying it and everybody wants to know about this or we think it's maybe think it's even law. So let's go back to the phrase separation of church and state. We looked in the Declaration of Independence. It's not there. We looked in the Constitution. It's not there, particularly the First Amendment, right? We talked a lot about the First Amendment in the last class in the Bill of Rights. So I'll just read that again and, and, and make sure we don't, we don't see anything in there. Congress shall make no law. This is right out of the First Amendment. Um, establishing... Uh, of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition our government for a redress of grievances right we that's a big deal right there we should we should have a whole show on that terry oh yeah i mean if you'd like to we'd more than be, i'd be more than happy to go ahead and put a show up on that <laughs> So going back to uh, one of the questions in the first show, um, I'll just say, it. does this surprise you that it's not in the law? There's not in, in any um, formal documents in the, in the U.S. Yeah, it, it really does surprise me, especially as much as separation of church and state is mentioned, both in the, the political discourse out of Washington, D.C., and uh, just in amongst normal people conver uh, conversing. Um, they're always saying that, yeah, it's in there, it's in there, yet it's not. <laughs> There's no proof of it. I know it's been mentioned in um, not necessarily in that vernacular, in, say, like the Federalist Papers or some of Jefferson's papers, but nothing specific stating uh, a separation of church and state. And it's not put into law. So, yeah, it, it is. It's surprising. Yeah, it surprised me when I first uh, dove into all this. And because and I wasn't sure when I first started researching all this. And now I'm a firm believer that it's not in any. And, and then we found, let's go find the evidence of where it is located, where it originally came from. So I believe the media and our representatives generally are ignorant regarding the Constitution, which is the law of America, right? Right. And it, let me go. I'm going to cover something right real quick for you here. Uh, for those mm -hmm. listening out there that uh, take offense to being called ignorant, keep in mind that the word ignorant means uneducated. You haven't educated right. yourself about it. Don't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're you're not educated. You're just not educated on this topic. Sorry about that, Mario. I, I actually got called out on that here not long ago. No, I'm glad you brought that up because ignorance can be overcome, right? I was ignorant to the fact of, of this. And, and the more research that I've gained, now I have some wisdom about this. Do I know everything? Absolutely not. Uh, so, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. So, yeah, we talked about the original intent. That's what we want to know, right? Our founding fathers gave us this blessing, this declaration and constitution. We want to know um, about this. So we talked about the original debates on the First Amendment. That was huge to listen to them talking about this and nowhere in their debates that they ever talk about separation of church and state or even in the establishment clause. The free exercise clause prohibits the federal government from interfering with people's religious public expressions that's huge yeah yeah that, that is a big big thing 
Yeah, so even in the founding fathers' language of how they talked about this and, and all of their debates, and you talked about the Federalist Papers, even in there, they they never even mentioned this at all. So let's continue to, to, to search for this evidence, and we'll get into that Danbury Baptist Church and Thomas Jefferson, right? Right. So, hey, if you have these letters with you, um, the Thomas Jefferson, Danbury Baptist, why don't you just follow along with us, uh, make comments. If you see anything in there that uh, is a little confusing or um, maybe we misquoting something. So on October 7th, 1801, Danbury Baptist Church of Connecticut sent a letter to Thomas Jefferson expressing their concern that protection for religion had been written into the laws in the Constitution. So they were nervous about just the word religion being mentioned in there. That shouldn't even be in our documents, they're saying. So yeah, I'll go to the next one. Protected. Go ahead. No, but yeah, religion being protected. Uh, some people get all uh, kind of weirded out when you mention religion in there, but it, it's generalized. It's not just one specific, even though we are a Christian-based country. That is correct, Harry. It's, it's, it's across the board, and that's how the Founding Fathers viewed it, and we should continue to view that today. And they strongly believe that freedom of religion was an inalienable right given by God. And we talked about that word, right? Inalienable. It's mm -hmm. uh, unable to give it away or even for the, the um, possessor, to somebody to take it from you. Either way, it's, it's our right. Mm -hmm. The association believed the fact that it appeared in the civil document, which is the Constitution, right. um, that the government viewed it as a government-granted right. And that's not so. See, there's there's the ignorance there, right? They were just didn't they didn't understand exactly what that meant, and this is what they believe. So they were trying to clear that up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's amazing how people will twist and um, bastardize words or phraseology uh, to to their viewpoint, and of course, then it confuses everybody else that's listening to it. Yes, and it seems like the more you repeat the um that the the more it spreads and then the uh, you know there's all this disbelief about what's going on and it's not a good thing so let's get to the original intent <laughs> um, so um i'm gonna let's see i think that part of this letter sums up this concern i like this part of the letter he said and i'm gonna quote the letter so if you have it follow along it is not to be wondered at, therefore, if those who speak after the power and gain under the pretense of government and religion should re reproach their fellow men, should reproach their chief magistrate, that would be the president, as an enemy of religion, law, and good order, because he will not assume the prerogative of Jehovah and make laws to govern the kingdom of Christ. So basically they say in president, even men, fellow, you're my fellow man, you um, stay out of the uh, religion. That's a big, that's a big, bold statement there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a huge statement you know, tell them to stay out of something. And of course, in today's world, they're not staying out of it. So 
Makes me right. wonder just how educated our politicians are. Yeah. So how did Thomas Jefferson reply to that? You know, he he, he started out his letter saying, um, I, I believe with you. And so he's acknowledging their belief and saying, hey, I believe with you. And so that was that was a good thing. Yeah. And what really surprised me, if you know the history of Jefferson, he was actually your original Democrat. So it yes. makes you wonder what's going on now. Yes, that that is correct. Harry. He was. And um, he believed that God um, is, is is in our affairs and and helps this country and protects this country, but he believes that everybody should have the right to believe like they want to believe, period. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with no restriction as to what that religion is, unless, one caveat, unless it undermines the Constitution of the United States. That is correct. And, and that would be, if that's our law, our Constitution is our law, then you, all of a sudden, now you're getting to criminal activity. So it, right. this is not religion anymore. This is a criminal activity. Exactly. So, yeah, that is correct. So I'm going to go to the second sentence for those following along. It says, my duties dictate a faithful and zealous pursuit of the entrance, interests of my constituents. So he's saying, I'm concerned with what you have to tell me. And he appreciates it. And in proportion, as they are persuaded to my fidelity, to those duties, the discharge of them becomes more and more pleasing. So he's saying right there, this is not my own will. I'm going to follow the Constitution and I'm going to listen to my constituents, whatever they are telling me, put this all together and make my decisions. Exactly. So he, he's telling the people straight up, I'm going to base it on what my constituency says, not some political hack. Yes. Isn't that wonderful to, to have that? Uh, and and I would have that in our Congress and have that in our executive branch where the the leader is or the representative of, of we the people is looking at us and saying, hey, tell me what y'all think. We I want to do with what's good for this country. And uh, that would be a wonderful thing. It, it would be. And it would lead to a lot less um, controversy is going on up there and a lot less loss of our rights. And as many of these people we have sitting up there that claim to be constitutional experts, it's absolutely appalling that they're not. Yeah, so uh, we the people need to change that. And that's that's a whole different conversation. Right. But we the people have to have to get involved and be able to put the right people in office. And, and um, not only at the voting booth, we need to get involved early on. And, and be and preparing these people to be in office, not just waiting till they get in office, prepare them ahead of time and, and educate them. And so how do we do that? Well, you know, that's a whole different thing. But there, there's a lot of ways you can do it through writing your Congress, um, uh, get involved in your party or uh, in, in writing your congressman. Uh, there's, there's just so many ways to get involved. Yeah, be, be a voice within your own party, whether it be Democrat or yes. Republican or Independent or Green or Purple, you know, whatever it is, be a voice. Do something like we're doing here yes. uh, with you being with the Patriot Academy, being a constitutional coach and teaching people. And as I say in every one of my shows, educate yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a great way to educate yourself. You can watch our show when Mark's on or uh, Mark later on will we'll give them an address to write to you where they can take your upcoming sure. course. 
Uh, I I got to mention that early on in the show, but Mark will be giving a course. Uh, I'm assuming Mark is going to be on Zoom or he'll be online some way. On Zoom, yeah. Yes. Okay. I so just we'll finished, we just finished one Thursday, um, actually at the at our church, and um, it was a wonderful event. I don't mean to get too far off, but we had a we we had the group that was so engaged and so excited about what was going on and how much they learned and. So we took the uh, Declaration of Independence and we each signed it with our with our own pen and we pledged our fortune and our lives and our sacred duty. And uh, it was a powerful event uh, right there at the end. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that, that, that's outstanding, Mark. I, I love hearing that. So for those of you that's listening from Louisiana, uh, my daughter Amanda, take note. You can get a hold of Mark and uh, if you're close by, uh, he can come up and give you the course. Uh, if not, and for everybody else, uh, you can get a hold of Mark when we give you the uh, uh, email address and stuff, and he'll he'll direct you the right way to get someone from your area to give you the course. And going on ahead now with uh, Jefferson, uh, I guess we're uh, to the point of we're talking about that wall of separation. Yes, absolutely. He started um, trying to explain how he felt about that, and and those. This is where these words are actually mentioned right here. So then again. I'll just to recap there, this is a private letter that Dan Barry Baptist sent to Thomas Jefferson, and now he's returning this letter. And so this is straight from the letter. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, I contemplate with, and, and I, I skip down a little bit in the paragraph because it's a it's pretty pretty lengthy paragraph. But if you follow along, just drop down a little bit. He says, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature would. And now this is he's quoting straight out of the Constitution, make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of thus building a wall between church and state. Cool. So I'll just continue a little bit more. It says adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in belief of the rights of conscience. I shall see that the sincere satisfaction of the progress of these sentiments, which tend to restore to man all his natural rights. Listen to this last part, Terry. It says convinced. He has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. What is his social duties? That could be his job, right? right. That could right. be our schools. It, you could be a school teacher. That's your social duty. Your, it's your job. And he has no natural rights in opposition to that. This is something we need to grasp really strong right here. Cool, cool. So what does our audience think about all that, Terry? <laughs> That's uh, that I, here. I haven't heard a whole lot on here. I know uh, Dave Lovin has said that uh, uh, we're actually being streamed live on Americans for Free Speech, uh, MeWe now. Uh, he has taken our show over there and also live on the Conservative Message on Facebook. So we're hitting several other pages, Mark, and it, uh, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully we'll get some additional uh, commentary here. Amanda, I, Amanda, I have no idea what you just said. 
So also goes a bunch of dashed lines. So yeah, I, I encourage everybody to comment and question. Mark, uh, you see the uh, uh, a chat page over there on your side, so you can answer the questions to them, or you can answer right here live. But yeah, I encourage everybody to uh, uh, please participate, get involved in this, and uh, yes, uh, encourage what's going on. So now we see we looked at all the evidence and we see what Thomas Jefferson said about the wall of separation uh, between the church and the state. He said that that that's not going to happen. If you read the whole letter and you read that paragraph or that sentence that he writes, if we just take those seven words and say um, a separation of church and state, then we can take that and twist it into anything that we want. But what is that original intent of what Thomas Jefferson said? He, he quoted himself in his letter, the Constitution, and said, this is what it means. And thus, it's not going to be a wall of separation of church and state. Yeah. And, and like it says, in there, he, made it, he made it clear that the, the supposed wall of separation was erected not to limit religious expression, but to provide security against government interference with those exceptions. That's why it's never really mentioned or brought up it's just it is an invisible wall that is there uh, to keep us from getting uh, overrun right and look what dan barry was writing to thomas jefferson about is happening today their fear in the in the uh, 19th century and now what are we in the 21st century it's yeah exactly it's, it's happening today so two centuries later, what they feared a president would do um, or the Congress is happening right now. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we've seen it come from the bottom up with the restrictions, especially during this COVID crap, um, with Governor Gavin Newsom in California trying to restrict any indoor religious activities. And he doesn't specify. He just he goes across the board. And says no indoor religious activities. Okay, you're pretty vague in what you said there, and you're pretty broad. Same way with New York and several, a few other states. Of course, we know those are blue states. Yeah, and that's uh, overstepping. Not only the United States Constitution is the California Constitution. Yep. So that's something to take a, a better look at, and. and we need to get these these people, uh, better people in office who appreciate the Constitution and knowing that this document is a, a, a great formula to to keep um, the laws intact in your state. And not only that is you're you're one of 50. <laughs> exactly. So everything that you're doing is reflecting other states um, and they should be aware of that. that this is the United States not just one state uh, doing all of these things that, and they definitely are affecting other states. Oh yeah. Okay. California's had a history of affecting the other 49 states. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, continue on with what your, your next area is. Yeah. So look, let's, let's uh, end that right there. And unless we, we have some questions and we can look at that a little bit later, but I want to talk about the amendment process. How to how do we amend the Constitution? Is 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 there a way to amend the Constitution? There are, there absolutely is. The founding fathers put it in right away in Article Five, and this is a proper way to amend the Constitution. So they they understood that this is a document that 
times would change, people don't. <laughs> exactly. Right? Times would change. They didn't have airplanes in the in the 19th century like we have today. There's different things like that that change, and we have to adapt to that. Um, but but the Constitution, they knew it was based on human behavior. That never changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we kind of we, we're kind of a, a beast of nature. We just uh, we don't uh, change a whole lot. Um, of course, there's times now that I kind of question how we change with what's going on. Of course, we'll get to that towards that uh, towards the end of the show on some of those changes human beings are doing. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at Article Five now here. Uh, Mark, and I want to thank you very, very much. Um, show this to folks that Mark sent this to me. Uh, Pocket Principles uh, has a constitution and things like that in it. Uh, constitution, Declaration of, Pen uh, of Independence. Oh, I can't talk. Uh, and gives me the timeless principles of, uh, uh, of liberty. And I'll just go ahead and, uh, if you don't mind, Mark, I'll go ahead and read Article 5 as it comes right out of the uh, uh, talking about our amendments. Yes. And it says the Congress, whether two thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, and that's Senate and House, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or on the application of the legislatures of two thirds of the several states, which we call a uh, convention of states. They shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pick that apart a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and tear that little apart, but I wanted to get the whole article out there. Absolutely, yes. We need to hear that. So so the, the democracy, we, we, we are a form of a democracy. We not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic, but mm -hmm. we, we, we have democracy, right? And democracy runs on, on passion. Think about that for a second. Democracy runs on passion. A republic runs on reason. So the amendment process is designed to be a, to be kept slow and take the passion out of it. So um, passions, we get elevated. We're trying to defend what we're trying to say um, on the floor and all this passion. But you know what? Let that pass and let's sort these things out. Let the dust settle, as they say, right? Exactly. Let, let's calm down a little bit and uh, let level heads prevail. Absolutely. So, and that's the the beauty of a republic is the founding fathers put this in place to to be a slow process, not fast. Where oh, we need to fix this problem right away. No, you don't. You need to understand it fully, and and then keep going. So the founding fathers designed the amendment process so that if amendment passes, it is because the people themselves support it right right and and with it giving us two methodologies to go about it uh, either congress itself can put these amendments forward where they have two-thirds of both houses that's the senate and the house 
which <laughs> I've been alive for a long time. And this <laughs> is a major pain in the butt. Yes. That being said, the other major pain is a convention of states trying to get three fourths of all of our states to agree on the same amendment. Yes. Yeah, so you can see they made it a they made it a very difficult process. This is not easy. Exactly. Just throw an amendment out there and it work. <laughs> yeah. And oh, by the way, uh, because we have to have all these people, we're going to throw in a couple of more stumbling blocks where you. you've got to <laughs> overcome. You cannot affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article. So yeah, you may have all your people together, but don't affect these particular clauses. So like you said, Mark, they've made it a slow, uh, I guess you could say painful process in order for them to calm down. But we we know at this point in time, most of our politicians are not calm. They always drive with passion, which we do have to have some passion to, to, to forward our drive. But yeah, you can't let it overrule logical and reasonable thought. That's right. So these two options that you have, that first one you were talking about, Terry, the congressional proposal. So if Congress proposes this and they go through the process, it it still ends up with we the people. It comes back to the states, right? Exactly, because there are elected representatives are supposed to represent what our views in our states are. That is correct. And so each, uh, each state has that voice. And so that second part is the state proposal. So this is now getting into a constitutional convention. Um, and so this really comes from we the people. We the people, this didn't come from Congress. We the people decided that we wanted something changed. And, and you take uh, prohibition for one thing. Um, when, when they deemed that alcohol was causing this country in 1911 was causing this country so much grief, they went, the states proposed this went to the Congress and passed it, went back to the states and we the people approved it. And by 1939, they said, well, this thing is under control. They took it back. That's the amendment process. That's how it works. It's already been proven. Right. Yeah, that's it. I think that's uh, the most recent in history that they've had such a wide use of the Convention of States. And of course, we know later on um, when they repealed it, that was uh, the Congress, both the House and the Senate that repealed it at the direction of the people. We didn't have to have a convention of states at that time. Yeah, and look, if, if anybody doesn't understand about the constitutional convention, you'll hear a lot of stuff in the media about that, that this is a negative thing. Well, it's right here in our constitution that actually works. And if you operate in these parameters and, and, and safely in those parameters, then it's going to work. And so it, it's not just to go out there and, and ratify the entire constitution. That's not what it's set up for. It's specifically designed for a certain thing and, and are two or three certain things. And they have to name those. And remember, it goes through the people. It goes to the Congress and then comes back to we, the people. So we have an opportunity to drop this thing right at the end. What, do, what, do, what does the president get to do? Veto. We get to veto that if we don't like what they're trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. So Article five can change the Constitution and um, but it prevents it from creating a whole new one. 
So if you hear that in the media, you hear that um, out there uh, having conversations with people, that's not the case. That's not what it's designed for. So I have a couple of Terry, just personal things that um, from my background or the things that I imagine would like to see some changes is, which we almost had this, um, a, a balanced budget amendment. Does anybody think about that? <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I had to laugh. <laughs> this has been a topic that I have heard about most of, well, all of my adult life. And they have yet to get a balanced budget amendment through. So yeah. What's your view on that, Mark? Do you think we're ever going to see something like that? I think it's possible. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of push for it in the 90s. And actually, they had a vote on it in the 90s. And they were one vote away in Congress, one vote. And, and so they didn't get it passed. But there's still a lot of push for it right now. And there, I believe that at some point, um, regain the House or the Senate, that, that it can happen. Um, there, there. This is this is a big deal. I think we have to decide, and we have to take charge of this situation. And the reason I say that is because we are borrowing all this money to 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 operate now. But what are we doing? This is our children um, are going to pay for this. We are paying for some of the things that our uh ancestors did we don't want to do that right so we need to change this thing and get involved with that this is a big deal yeah and you see i put lady liberty up there just i did yeah <laughs> yeah our, That's our awesome. country is dying on me here uh, this yeah. is terrible so yeah lady well, I'm, there uh, i'm sorry lady liberty you're, you're my beloved <laughs> the that they put a clear path for us. Let's learn that path. Let's learn our duty in that constitution. Let's let's begin to to um, contact people and, and, and get involved. We, you know what? You can go, if, if you don't even have a child, you can go to a school board meeting and say how you feel. You don't even have to have a child in school. No, yeah, yeah, you did because the school belongs to the public, not just the people who have children. Um, because our elders and those, even those without children, those are the mentors, those are the influencers of our city. So, yeah, I encourage uh, grandmas, grandpas, um, childless. Uh, some people don't want children, that's cool, uh, I get it, but get involved in your schools because that's the educational system that if you're not involved with it. We have what we've got now where we have uh, socialistic indoctrination. Yes, and you might be that person to that you have a strong voice, that you have this knowledge. Why would we want you to stay away even though you might not have children in school? We want you to be that one going over there, especially our retired people who, um, who want to get involved and want to help. Maybe you think you can't, but sometimes you're the one who have that strong voice. I encourage you to get involved. Exactly. So another one, Terry, is parental rights uh, amendment. I think we need to clear this up in our country. The government has infringed a lot on our parental rights. 
And if we pass an amendment and putting them in check with this, with these sort of things that we have uh, control over our children, as long as we're not breaking the law, not doing any, any crazy stuff, but we should have these rights to, to um, allow our kids to do certain things. They don't have the understanding to do it. That's why we're the parent. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think we should pass that amendment. Yeah, I, I didn't know there was actually a drive for a uh, parental rights amendment. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. It needs to be in there to stop the government interference and in, in parental activity, uh, with the exception of uh, uh, criminal activity, where there's child abuse and uh, things of that nature. <clears throat> but um, when did that come about? They started talking about a, uh, uh, a parental right amendment. Yeah, this has probably been going on for the last 20 years, but I think it's a stronger push now than it has been. I think a lot of people started pulling their children out of school and putting them into private schools. And that was one of the way to counteract. But we recognize that this push to um, take our rights away, even in our own home with our children, um, that we need to do a little bit more uh, with that. So there's a bigger push with that right now. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought me up to speed on that. I mean, I, I really didn't know that there had been any kind of, it must not be one of those that's really visible, um, not as widespread as you uh, would assume it to be. Uh, so hopefully we can, uh, some of you out there can take, take a handle on that and start driving with, especially those who have been affected by um, degradation of parental rights. Yes. Yes. And uh, the, the other one is the human life. There's a huge push about and this is we're not talking about just abortion here we're talking about um captive captivity uh, i live in louisiana baton rouge is is uh, child abduction in baton rouge is one of the worst cities in the entire nation wow i don't I know if you know that you, li you you lived and worked there terry that is one of the worst cities in the entire nation but do we have just that much of a breakdown in uh, the, the law enforcement or have we been restricted that much uh, as far as the the government putting restrictions in our law enforcement? Because I have a lot of respect for Baton Rouge PD and um, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office and uh, the surrounding area law enforcement agencies. I mean, uh, my God, my, like we said, you know, me and you both work with those agencies as uh, mm -hmm. uh, state fire marshal deputies um, at the at the state level. So. It, What's the reasoning behind it? Is there a breakdown in the governmental uh, support or is there a breakdown within the law enforcement community? I, I think the breakdown is is shared both. It's, it's the parental rights issue. We can go back to that again. The parental rights of the these um, children who are getting abducted, they may be running away, but they end up getting involved with the wrong wrong people and they... they um, uh, that's a hard situation there. The, the government definitely has some issues there. I don't think they've kept up with that and realized, you know, their, even their resources to to be able to operate in all these different aspects of everything. They just haven't had the funding to do it or um, maybe the right people in office to say, hey, you know, this we need to really get this thing under control, um, especially, you know, not say anything about the children being abducted, but this affects your economy by all these things going on. This affects everything in the that your city stands for, and so you know that's a um, a two sided coin there, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anytime you have uh, abductions going on, uh, it's almost a multi branch effect. Uh, the downline yes. effect. 
people don't want to move their businesses to a city that has a lot of child abductions because that means their employees' children's children are in danger. Um, people don't want to move to your city to work in the current uh, employment market because, again, they're afraid that their children are going to be endangered. And mm-hmm. the third problem that I think of is the current citizens in the Baton Rouge. And I love Baton Rouge. I love the people there. Um, they're like, of course, in the other city, they a few boneheads running around. But um, <laughs> the citizens are currently there like, adios, I'm out. I don't want my children involved in this. And it's it has no social economic uh, indicator on it. It's across the board. It's across mm-hmm. the board impact. Yeah, and I think social media has a lot to to do with this. But, you know, hey, look, the police officers and our officials are working very hard with this. I don't want to take away from that because they are they are doing their job, but overwhelmed and 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 with the amount of it, they have to try to keep this thing under control and they only have a certain amount of budget to deal with. But social media has really um, been a good avenue for criminals to to be able to do this, to talk to children and, and, and lure them in. So that getting the social media uh, parental controls, right? Going back to that parental, uh, parental controls and parental rights, um, that's a big deal. Yeah, and that's uh, talking about your social media. That's where I think we need to, to go back. And this is back something President Trump had talked about. And oh my God, the liberals like to lost their mind. The tops of their heads came off. Uh, to go back to that uh, Section 230, where social media has just carte blanche do whatever they want. Uh, they can c- censor and take out what they want, or they can allow whatever they want. We need to take that away from them and get some control back on that and uh, address it under, like they did Ma Bell back in the, the 60s and 70s. Uh, break that mess up and get some control on that, because there is no control. Um, I've seen... Uh, some of my friends that are uh, constitutionalists and they're conservative, uh, even a couple of uh, moderate uh, progressives or moderate Democrats have been censored or have been censured. Two different words there, folks. Uh, censored mean they have not allowed to say it and censured means they've been slapped on the hand and told you can't do that. Uh, over views against the social media and what's going on with it. So I think we need to readjust, uh, readdress that uh, uh, that particular section of the Communications Act and stop the social media from doing what they're doing. Yeah, Terry, that's a big deal. And and we have to be careful because we don't want to trample on people's constitutional rights. We don't want them trampling on ours. So they do have a certain amount of freedom on the social media sites. But if, again, we the people see something going on there that's overstepping, that's causing all these problems within our communities with within our states, um, then we need to say something. And we need to say, hey, uh, Congress, we need y'all to step in and take care of this this problem, even though it may be stepping on their constitutional rights. It's causing more problems. Let's get this thing under control for a while, and then we could reel this thing back in once we get it under control. I agree wholeheartedly. But I, I, I still, uh, my viewpoint is that we, we need to put a stop on social media and get them under control and put a stop to what we're doing. I'm in agreement. (laughs) (laughs) We've got about uh, three minutes left in your segment here, and then we'll get into mine. So what have you got for us to to wrap this one up for the day? 
So um, I'm just I'm gonna go to. Let's do it from a military mind. What's our marching orders? What's our marching orders as a citizen, right? Um, I, I I tell my class this. You know, we read this at the end of the class um, about our marching orders. We all have them. Um, so our marching orders returning to the Constitution. And why do I say returning? Because we have gotten away from uh, the Constitution's path. And we need to get back on it. And, and this country will operate a lot differently. So I challenge you, read the Constitution, study the Constitution, and then teach the Constitution. Now, who's that teaching to? Do you have to do it like this? No, you teach in your own home, right? Teach yourself. Uh, so go get in the books, right? Get in these books. Go watch videos. So then you need to know your constitutional rights. If you know your constitutional rights, then you could defend your constitutional rights and, and then be able to assert them. Those are the six things. That's your marching orders to go out there and do that. And I look, I challenge myself all the time. I challenge Terry. And he does the same to me. So um, let's do this together. All right. Well, Mark, where can we uh, work in the, the viewers and the folks that are, are listening? They're not necessarily on the chat board, but there's quite a few out there listening. Where can they get a hold of you at to ask you about uh, the Constitution and Patriot Academy and available classes and how to get a hold of people? Where can they reach you at? Sure. I can give them my email address if, if that's good. Would that yeah, go right there. Go out there and so it's uh, M-T, M-T, Dupuy, and I, I'll spell that. <laughs> Please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> D-D-U-P-U-I-S. So it's M-T-D-U-P-U-I-S. S is in Sam. The number five at gmail.com. All right, I'm fixing it. Put it up here uh, for you, Mark. Okay. That's, I think I have something. Dupuis5 at gmail.com. So you can contact me there, or you can go on um, Patriot Academy and look for some of my classes on there. And if you don't find a class from me, just join up with a class. Find one in your time zone the proper days that you like, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Um, so that's two, two things you can do right there. All right. Well, we're going to update this on there. Um, folks, you can see it at the, on the crawler at the bottom of the page, uh, uh, at the end of the crawler. Um, like he said, it's mtv5 at gmail.com. He is a constitutional coach with the Patriot Academy. And Mark, I'm assuming that uh, if they get a hold of you, they can find out about the uh, Patriot Academy uh, courses also that's of you, uh, available if they're not in the Louisiana area. That is correct. I can help them with that and steer them in the right direction and kind of give them an idea of which ones to watch. And um, it, it's a uh, it's very good. I see one of my students are on here um, from my class, and and she mentioned something about um, we talked. To, we just talked about the amendments, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier, and I challenged them. And so I'm going to challenge y'all. I challenge them to pick an amendment. 
like we just talked about right there. I talked about parental or balancing the budget or human life. Pick one of those or, or even get into the Constitution. Get in the Constitution and find one that you really like. Right. And learn about it and try to understand it fully. That would be great. All right. Yeah, I had a message up there for you from the CJC. Thank, uh, thank you for coming on, um, CJ. Glad to see you there. Uh, it, it's always nice to have uh, more forks doing us, especially from uh, my former state of residence, uh, Louisiana. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to try any more Cajun. I tried that the other day and boy, did I talk to him for it. Of course, Marky. But anyway. All right. Um, have you got anything else more, Mark? No, um, I, I think that we covered quite a bit there. There's a lot to think about. Um, and again, the resources, maybe um, wallbuilders.com with David Barton. That's a huge source of, of history, of American history, of constitutional history. Um, you can listen to speaker retired Lieutenant Colonel Adam West. If you want to hear a great speaker and a passionate man who loves the Lord and loves his country, Go listen to him. Yeah, Alan West is an outstanding patriot. I've listened to some. I've actually uh, seen the man. I've never met him personally, although I wished I could. Uh, but I've seen some of his stuff. Uh, being my military background, he served uh, during times when I did. So, yeah, Alan West is out, outstanding. Yes. All right, Mark, we're going to take a short break. Uh, I'm going to take us off screen. I've got an ad up to bring up for everybody. So just hang tight with us for a little bit, and we'll be back in a Sixty seconds. What do you see in a parade? You see children with their flags, families clapping and laughing. What do you see when he walks by? Do you see his struggle, his path, his fight? Do you see him? When he walks, he walks alone. When he stands, he stands by himself. But he stands knowing the force of the VFW, America's largest organization of combat veterans, has his back. We are the VFW, and no one does more for veterans. All right. Sorry about that. I uh, had them muted because of the commercial. But anyway, this is the last segment of our show. So we've got about uh, uh, 10 minutes that we can work on here. And uh, of course, I'm going to get into a few things. Uh, one thing I am going to touch on and, and Mark, uh, get your opinion on this as we go along. Um, we know here recently, in the past couple of days, they've been trying to censure or remove particular individuals um, that are currently in our house. Um, one of them being Liz Cheney, who is a Republican conference chair, um, because she did vote to impeach Trump. And that has really wrinkled some feathers within the Republican Party uh, and the conservative um, uh, cloister 
around the country. But she avoided the removal. They, they decided to, to keep her in there, which me personally, I think was a big mistake. Uh, I don't see her changing her feathers or changing her viewpoint. She's always been very, very vocal against Trump, against the things we're done. And we had a lot of great things done during the Trump administration, whether you like Donald Trump or not. There were a lot of fantastic things that were done in our Congress that themselves were were deadlocked. They couldn't get out of their own way. Mark, what's your, what's your view on that? About this Congress uh, woman? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? about Cheney and uh, uh, with the way she did things and then avoiding uh, removal. Yeah, you know, just because you have that party listed under you, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, doesn't really... Um, you, you don't have to follow that. You have to follow your values. You have to follow your your convictions of what you're doing. Now, should you, if you're in that party, should you have the same convictions as everybody else? The majority of them, yes, you should. But some of them, you might not. Uh, does she have a particular issue on this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> What's that? She couldn't stand Trump. For, she had Trump <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. Now, you see, if we see our leaders doing that, if it's about something that, that's uh, where you hate this particular person, so you acting this this way, that's a that's a problem. Uh, yeah. So the Republican Party needs to be aware of that and do something about it. Absolutely. Exactly. Now, the, the next one is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, she there's a lot of controversial statements that she made prior to being elected as a, a representative from Georgia. She had support of QAnon and several other conspiracy theories and at some point had even advocated the execution of Nancy Pelosi. I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. But um, later on, as once she was elected, she started denouncing these things, realizing that, hey, I was given false information. I'm, this isn't exactly what I believe in. Um, and she did. Uh, remove her support and backing of those particular things. So the Republicans decided they're not going to remove her at all. You know, the House Minority Leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy, a Republican out of California, ruled out any action on the Republican Party's part to remove her from her committees or censuring her or anything in that nature. Now, come yesterday, of course, you know, the Democrats have control of everything. And they voted to remove her from the committees. And this is nothing more than a, a political game with you know, these people. It, they have removed a duly elected representative from her committees. So now they've got total control of this mess. And it didn't help that Mitch McConnell in the Senate called what she was saying, Looney Tune lies and a cancer on the party. So he, he, here we've got our own party trying to tear itself apart and undermine everybody. Instead of working with her and trying to get her word out that, hey, I made a mistake. We're human. I mean, I make mistakes. I say things I really probably shouldn't have said. And if, if I shouldn't have said them, I'm going to apologize for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to back myself away from those things. But in this case, the whole party is tearing her apart instead of trying to come back together and regain right. what they lost. Uh, Mark? Yeah, and that definitely should not be happening. You have to figure out her true intents and just reel that back in for a moment and let the dust settle and, and figure out what's really going on. But can you re 
like you say, can you remove her from certain aspects of the party? You can, and and that's a that's a good thing until you figure out her true intent or any person's true intent. Um, so yeah, definitely they need to be <laughs> rallying around this thing at first. Besides uh, going straight to condemnation, but I don't know everything. They know a lot more than what we do, but um, that's how I see it also. But in that aspect, Mark, and it's what me and you out here are trying to do. We should know more than they do. We shouldn't be blind to what they're doing. We shouldn't be uneducated in the process that's going on up there. This should be totally transparent to us. We should know what's going on. You know, I just don't comprehend it. it we've got this one Republican, uh, an Illinois representative, Adam Kinzinger, out of Illinois, um, said that some, some Republicans have thanked him for criticizing former President Trump over the riots, which I don't know about you, but I'm not stupid. I've, I've sit here and reviewed these tapes, reviewed the, the speech, reviewed timelines, uh, talked to former law enforcement contacts. Yeah, this this didn't happen. But this bonehead's going to go someplace like The View on ABC. Let's go to the mainstream media and get out a controversial statement against the previous administration and, oh, and my counterparts. Because he also mentioned that you know, his counterparts, Green and all them, need to go away. <coughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're tearing ourselves apart on on the right, uh, on the conservative movement. <coughs> so, yeah, I mean, we the people should be taking note of people like this and people who are, are calling out um, in, our, in our own party or, or just in general. And we should take note of these people. And then when we... We um, um, send letters to them or e even in other states. If it's a federal, if it's a senator, your other states matter. Because remember, when they passed, when they passed that law, all senators used to be subject to the state and the state, the state paid them. Right now, they're a federal employee. So they really don't have any dedication to that state other than they're from Louisiana. They're from Alabama. But we should be writing to them if, if it's a federal <laughs> issue and let them know how we feel. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can get a dry throat that won't give up here. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, moving on, getting away from the, the politics here, we'll go into some more politics. <laughs> Only, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's the nature of the show here, uh, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen and all ships at sea. <laughs> um, and this is directed more towards our veterans and our military personnel and things like that. As everyone knows, uh, of course, Biden has appointed a new Secretary of Defense and he has been confirmed by Congress. Uh, so he is the Secretary of Defense. Uh, retired General uh, Lloyd Austin, who at one time was a CENTCOM commander, uh, Central Command, taking care of all the stuff uh, around Afghanistan, Iraq, places like that. Um, and the, there were some rattlings and warnings heading on, or, or excuse me, early on, that we really needed to watch this gentleman um, because there were some really strong progressive or liberal leanings uh, with this general. Uh, now, please, Understand me, I'm not taking away from this man's military service. Don't ever think I'll do that. 
unless he committed an atrocity while on duty. He has not done that. So, but his political viewpoint as a civilian, and now he is the civilian leader of our, our military, second only to the commander in chief. He started playing politics right out of the gate, right slap out of the gate. As soon as he was confirmed, he come up with all kinds of crazy things. Now, the two craziest things, and I'm going to take a look at these right now. Um, just recently, like yesterday, now on all military installations, barring very, very few exceptions, all personnel and their families and anyone from the age of two up will be wearing a mask. does not matter where you're at on that base. You can be outside. You can be on the playground, wherever you are within the confines of that base, you will have a mask on, except for inside your own home. To identify yourself for security purposes, if you have a verified and deemed appropriate medical condition, or you are inside a fully walled, fully floored, closed door room by yourself. Really? You are now going to restrict my movement outside of a building in the open air with a mask. Have you lost your freaking mind, sir? Um, to me, uh, our leadership in the Army and the Air Force and all the service branches need to stand up and say, no, enough is enough. You have very few. COVID cases within the military. We've had 18 deaths across the... Oh, I get so irritated over this. I understand where they drew this from. This came from the current administration's mandate to wear masks on all federal property. Mark, I know you work on federal property. You have to wear it all the time. Um, but do they go so far as to tell you you can't wear it outside, that you have to wear it outside the building or you have to wear it outside your home? No, not not on where I'm working. They uh, yes, inside, um, but not outside the building. Once you once we get into those areas or we get into different rooms um, when we buy ourselves or with our workmates, I think, you know, the that's a hard situation, Terry. But sometimes these things get put into place more for the um the public view and then once the dust settles and things settle down and things change and maybe as the vaccine um i'm not a big proponent of the vaccine but if people start taking it and and they um not getting COVID as much then maybe these things will start drawing back but yeah they are sometimes you get into that constitutional right that um it's hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here they're mandating your family and your children mm -hmm. <clears throat> to wear these masks outside the home. Yeah, okay, yeah, I know the Army did not issue me a wife. They did not issue me children. They're my responsibility, yada, 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 yada. I get it. They're, they're subject to the rules and regulations that are on the post. But since when did they give up their constitutional rights of freedom to do as they choose and select and i understand they want to control the spread of COVID 19. but obviously there's something within the federal mandate that uh, they recognize you don't need the dang thing outside you don't need it walking around in open air 
What gives the SECDEF the right and the authority to mandate that I have to wear it outside my home in open air when I'm away from people? That's controlling every aspect of my life, and it's absolutely asinine and unneeded. And it, Amanda, I agree with you. A lot of the mask mandates are for show. He's trying to show that he now has the power over all services and branches, uh, and, and he can hold them by the cojones and make them do what they want. Now, on top of this, and here's another controversial subject that has been broached before, and <clears throat> I do not support what he's done this time. And people can get mad at me all they want to. But he has now re removed the ban on transgender persons to serve in the United States military. What are you freaking thinking? Okay. You are now, and according to what I read, and this is coming from, you know, the Pentagon um, reporting section from their news release, their press releases. <coughs> They're saying these people can go ahead and get their surgery while on duty. Okay, what other uh, benefits, what other things that we have strived for to be provided to our men and women in uniform are going to be taken away now in order to accommodate these individuals that want to change their gender? Okay, that you're going totally against the science. I don't care how many surgeries you have. You're still going to be what you were born with, period. Genetically, DNA-wise, whatever. A boy's a boy, a girl is a girl. Okay. And on top of that, when they start doing these surgeries uh, for these people or for these individuals, whatever you want to call them, I'm trying not to be ugly because to me, this, this affects my beloved forces. Uh, but when you start doing these, these people are now non-deployable. That means I don't have that extra body in, in the field of combat or in the field of operations or at that training mission. I don't have that body because guess what? Some bonehead allowed him to come in here because he didn't feel he was right. Now he's getting surgeries to change that. He's taking away my medical care that I need. He, he's in the way. My family, my military personnel need medical care, but this guy comes in to get elective surgery that he didn't want to have to pay for. Uh, I now long, no longer have that manpower out to perform my mission. That's critical to the defense of this nation. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, somebody's not thinking this through. And, and, oh, and by the way, we're paying this individual while they're having all this done. Uh, I need to calm down. Mark, what what do you think about this? So, Terry, what other group um, in the military has this benefit to be able to elect to go have surgery or um, and, and be out for that extensive amount of time? Because from uh, what it shows that they are out for months and months. And so and, and they can't go into combat. They can't do certain things. To if yeah. they have this surgery for me it's not about the person it's about whatever i'm seeing what's going on here in our military this is a lot of funds this is a lot of time being spent for something that i mean what other group has this benefit that we can go do this as a military person and be afforded to have all this time off to be afforded for all this money to be spent on me um what other group has that 
No, no other group has that. Uh, and to, to address that issue, um, one of the things that was controversial, con <laughs> controversial a few years ago, and, and please don't, everybody don't get upset with me, but was breast augmentation for female soldiers. And they have to go, or had to go through a series of psychological evaluations because it was to enhance their self-worth or their self-viewpoint their, uh, self uh, so they feel better about themselves. They had to go through steps to get to that point to prove that this was viable for them, that this would help them with their self-esteem. This would help them perform better. Okay. My personal opinion on that does not matter. It's a simple fact that they had to go through this. So they don't have this privilege of walking in here saying, I'm not a man. I'm a woman. Please change me. They didn't have that option to just walk in there and have it done. Right. Okay. And then the continuing care once they leave the military. Are we going to have to pay for that? Because they've got to have continuous care and con continuous uh, uh, treatments after they've initiated this silly little, I call it plastic surgery for esteem or plastic surgery for uh, uh, getting attention. But um, yeah, are we going to have to continue to pay that? So now how many benefits are we going to take away from our veterans administration and away from our veterans that are that need it, that have actually stood out there and took a bullet to protect and defend this country? Not a scalpel because I wanted to change who I was. Yeah, and that elected stuff, that's the, what gets to me right there. Is if this is elected and all of these consequences and all of these uh, provisions are being provided for this person, then that seems like over and above of what you've given everybody else for one thing. And and if you're doing that, you're changing the aspect of who, what you're coming into the military to do. And, and it changes all of that, it changes the whole dynamics of that. This needs to be researched more and, and instead of just putting it in place like it originally was and going full force with it and then uh, letting this experiment play out. No, this experiment needs to be done just like anything else and see what happens. Um, but anything that's elected like that, I don't know. I just don't see that being a benefit to our military. This is causing more problems than and it's not about the person. Hey, if this person needs this, I understand that they go do what you want. You have the right to. This is your constitutional right. But we, the people, don't want to have to afford for this or we want the the people who are actually active and being able to do this stuff in our military. We don't want them on the sideline. We need them in. We need them on the front line. Yeah. Don't don't come in there. Just utilize my benefits and my facilities and my money um, that. The taxpayers out there actually are funding this. Wake, the, wake up, people. You're paying for this crap. And there's less than 1% of the population. I think it's like less than 0.01% of the population. They even think this way. Now, addressing what uh, Amanda says on here, why shouldn't transgenders have to go through the same physiological or psychological evaluations? And that's my, my point. Why don't they go through all that? But, uh, I read an article out of Psychology Today, um, uh, a premier uh, medical magazine that's well-respected. Uh, it's a couple of years ago, and they addressed the trans transgender psychological issue. And even them, on a, as a whole, view this as a mentally uh, mental instability. It has nothing to do uh, with 
a lot of this other BS that the politicians are pushing up on us. But it's a uh, uh, a gender dysphoria. It's a mental condition. And in all reality, the military says if you have a dysphoria, a mental issue, you can't serve unless it's addressed and fixed. Mama kind of tells me you need to take care of that crap with your own dime before you come in or after you get out. And you can't tell me when you come in, all of a sudden, boom. Oh, I'm no longer James. I'm Jenny. Doesn't work that way. Sorry. Bye-bye. Get out of here. I don't need you in my foxhole because now we look at the personal issue. When you get in that combat situation, your troops are not going to trust you because you created such a controversy to get your your tally whacker changed to a, a, a pie, they're not going to trust you. They don't need that heartache because they know you just took money from their families and from them and you wasted a whole lot of time getting surgeries and your training is questionable. So, Amanda, you're right. They should have to go through these psychological evaluations. They should not be allowed in, period. This is not the place to have your dysphoria addressed. Mark? Isn't this supposed to be happening before you get into the military? You should be evaluated and 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 go through these certain things that that uh, bring these things out. And I know not every everybody's not going to say everything, right? We might hold some things back, but once you got in and you held this back, and now you're revealing that Amanda would be correct that this, hey, this we need to reevaluate this thing again. Exactly. And it, to go on further with us and to start closing this up, uh, I challenge our current leaders in the military, whether you're Air Force, Marines, Army, Navy, Coast Guard, you know what the detriment to your force structure and your mission capabilities is going to be. You need to stand up and say, OK, SecDef, hey, General Miley, no, stop this. This is not beneficial to the force. We're going to have more problems than you are even addressing. And we can't afford this. You are cow-towing to a very small minority that's got a big mouth. Okay? You're cow-towing to the current administration just so they can be politically correct and make somebody happy and stroke them and get another one vote. Okay? I challenge our leadership in the military to, to, to stop this insanity. Our NCOA, the Non-Commissioned Officers Association, the uh, Reserve Officers Association, all these strong political active groups that support the military, VFW, American Legion, get in there and put an end to this. You know, and on top of it, my brothers and sister veterans, the U.S. citizens that we defended and helped, we need you to get in there and put a stop to this crap. Talk to your senators. Talk to your representatives. I don't care if you go out there and talk to Casper, the friendly freaking ghost, if he can get some kind of movement to make them stop this, go talk to them. It's your military. The military answers to the civilian leadership. But we don't need to be doing dumb social experiments. Um, SecDef, stop playing progressive political politics or stop playing progressive politics with the military. You served honorably. Don't tarnish that record. Mark, last words from you. You know, you said something right there, Terry, that we all need to, to really take a better look at. And 
this country and this constitution was designed on the majority ruling, not the minority. And for some reason that um, our, our officials decided that it needs to be the other way around, that the, the ma major minority needs to be protected from the minority. And that's just not the way this country is supposed to be run. The majority rules. That's the way it's always done. Now, do we want to protect the minority? Absolutely. You know, but it's not that... Um, they're in dire need of we're going to destroy them. That's what uh, our government seems to think that we're going to we have to protect that minority people from the majority. No, that is not the case. We are looking out for them. But um, you know what? We, we we like our tax dollars and we want them going into the right place. Exactly. All right, Mark, it's time for me to get closed up here. Um, I do appreciate you being on. You're an outstanding friend, a lifelong friend. We'll bring you on again to go into the next segment of these courses. Um, to everybody out there, write to Mark, mtdepuy5 at gmail.com. Get the information on Patriot Academy. Um, write to me with your comments. If there's anything you would like to see on the show, if you'd like to be on the show, vfamm2020 at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook at View from Military Mind. Same way on YouTube, View from Military Mind. Until next Saturday, I say God bless. Be careful. Mark, thank you and God bless you, my friend. Keep up the good work. Thank you for your God service. America, and keep our troops in your prayers. So until next week, have a good day. <laughs>